Hey everybody, welcome to the Crossways Podcast, a podcast about how we can walk in the way of the cross. I'm your host, Jonathan Germany, the Associate Minister at Holly Hill Church of Christ, and we are broadcasting live from Holly Hill, and I have with me our summer intern, Nathan Papas, and we are so excited to have him today as we're discussing waking up. So Nathan, uh, are you awake? How are you doing? I, I am awake. Yeah, I got the full eight hours last night. Oh man, you know I I don't I don't really work on getting a full eight hours, right? but I know from talking to you, you you like to you like your eight hours. Oh and, yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, and though my wife loves her sleep too, she's watching. Hi, Catherine. But uh, for those you know who are who are joining with us, so we're going to start talking about waking up to the opportunities around us. But we thought we would kind of talk about the the weird ways we've been woken up or maybe weird ways we've seen others wake up or maybe weird ways we've woken others up ourselves because sometimes that's a whole lot more enjoyable and uh and so if you have a cool story or a cool way uh or maybe uh, a terrible way you've been woken up share that with us and uh, i know nathan has some stories uh, nathan's with us this summer staying in an apartment and uh before I share mine, why don't you share one of your uh, your most lovely weekly ways to get woken up? Okay, so um, now this one happens just about every week. <laughs> uh, I I I started I started to go to go to sleep even earlier than like I would to like okay here's my alarm so like you know this is the latest time I can go to sleep get eight hours you know I started to go to bed even earlier than that. Because uh, I, I typically get up uh, between seven and seven thirty, um, but once a day, every week, it's going to be a random day. I wake up to literally the loudest trash truck I think I've ever heard at six in the morning. <laughs> I, I didn't even know that like uh, trash trucks, that like 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 uh, s- sanitation workers. We're at work at six in the morning. Like I started, I thought they started at least like nine o'clock or something. No, oh, no, they no. Barely, no, no, they just go. And so, yeah, I've been <laughs> once a week getting up at six in the morning. And seriously, it sounds like the world is shaking. Like the the way that they're picking these dumpsters up and putting them down sounds like an earthquake is like shattering the world. And, <laughs> and it, it has to be bouncing off of all the walls and all the different buildings. Oh, yeah, but yeah, it's, no it's, one likes to be woken up unexpectedly. You yeah. know, uh, I can remember uh, there was a time where I had a certain alarm and I woke up and it scared me half to death. And uh, uh, I, you know, and I used to, I still, and if, if it wasn't for my wife, I would be listening to music while I go to sleep and I would wake up to music playing just because that's what I do. I, I really like that. And, uh, but I can remember a time I had, I think it was either what I was listening to or it was on the playlist or shuffle got turned on. But uh, I was a band geek growing up and uh, things playing out of tune or chords, dissonant chords, really bother me. And, uh, you know, I, for me, if you've played long enough and you're in a band, if you can't tune yourself, and notice if you're out of tune with who you're playing with and adjust while you're playing, then then you probably uh, need to ask for your money back uh, or quit playing. But, you know, so out of tune things and dissonant things really just 
I can't stand them. And Phantom of the Opera was playing. And there's one part in that musical where, you know, the Phantom writes this terrible musical. Everybody sings off key except for Christine and himself. And I woke up to that awful dissonant chords organ playing. And it scared the, I mean, just scared me to death. And I almost broke something. I was like, what is happening? And then I realized what it was. And I hate that song ever since. I hate that whole track. I just skip it. It's just terrible. But, you know, I, I, I you know, and uh, yeah, Catherine's saying it was waking up to, to a duck alarm. Oh, that's right. So one day I said, you know what, Catherine, I want to make you, uh, and she put to my own voice. And I did wake up to my own voice. And it's not what you think. I didn't wake up to myself talking. But I, I told Catherine I was going to make her an alarm to maybe put her in a good mood. To wake her up starting the day hearing my voice. Like, you know, that sounds like something that would put everybody in a great mood. You know, not really. But so I recorded myself screaming at her saying, wake up, sleepyhead. Except except in the morning it woke me up and I was not <laughs> amused at all. I, 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 I told her she, you know, I was like, okay, I thought this would be funny on my part to watch you wake up to this. And instead, it was miserable, and it was terrible, and it was like a nightmare. So, I, I think I don't think she uses it anymore, but I, I suspect she might use it on me when I least expect it now. But yeah, no, that's no fun. But uh, you know, if anyone else wants to chime in, we'll do one more that, that that I can remember. And if we don't have anyone typing anything after that, we'll we'll get into how we really want to wake up. But I, I remember I went to camp as a camper. And one of the counselors, uh, Chris was his name, and he ended up going to work for Disney uh, for a little bit and uh, at their parks doing some of their shows. He was one of the most creative individuals I've met. and um, But he always liked to wake us up using different methods. Well, at that age, at 6 o'clock, I'm up and I'm ready to go. I mean, when I was little and once I was up, now I'm, I hate mornings. But at that age, even at camp, Go to bed at, you know, midnight, wake up, 5.30, 6 o'clock. Okay, cool. When are we going to do stuff? You know, and that camp, you know, so he, so I was actually always able to join him, at least, you know, tag along and invite myself. And uh, he would wake us, uh, wake the camp, the I guess the boys' cabins up. One time he, he brought in a leaf blower and, and just cranked it inside the cabin and started blowing it in everyone's faces. And this one kid would not wake up. He just sat there and just laid in bed. And I, I don't know how he didn't wake up. One time he, he brought in these loudspeakers and played bagpipe music. That was glorious. And uh, I've heard of people using a, a chainsaw with no chain, scaring the kids half to death. There's all sorts of fun stuff. And, uh, oh, I'm sorry, Josh. Josh says his wife's alarm is an obnoxious pink song. And it doesn't, <laughs> and it doesn't wake her up. <laughs> it, it just wakes him up. Um, I'm sorry, Josh. Um, our prayers will be with you. Maybe and that's the intention. I, I, that's yeah. That's I don't know what to say. I have I have no words for that. You know. <laughs> oh man, that's terrible. But let's go ahead and get started. Uh, with you know, we're talking about get you know waking up, and I guess waking up to the opportunities around us. Because, you know, as you and I were talking about, it seems that people, and really, when we say people, we're also talking about ourselves. We don't, we seem to pass up too many opportunities. 
and it seems that we're not serving, we're not doing a lot, and we kind of want to talk about why that is and how we can do better. Because, you know, Jesus said in Matthew, he said, what, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray for more laborers, you know, so the, so the work can get done. And we like to read that as if, well, there it is. I just have to pray for other people to do the job, but I don't have to do anything. That's not really what that's talking about. What no. do you think, Nathan? No. Uh, you know, I think, well, we see a lot of people on Facebook saying, you know, uh, the world needs this, the world needs that. One of my favorite, because I think it's the most accurate, is that the world really needs Jesus. The world needs the church. The world needs Christ. Um, but a lot of times we we don't want to give Christ to the world because you know uh, you know we're we're the people we're the church that we're, we're the people that have Christ. You know we're the ones who uh, if you want to get Christ, you know typically you're going to get that by uh, meeting a member of the church and uh, having a member of the church walk through the Bible with you, walk through uh, who Jesus is and his nature and then have them, you know, baptize you in Christ. Um, but a lot of times, you know, we, we, uh, we're almost afraid of the world and, and afraid of the people in the world. And uh, we, we, we don't really want to uh, reach out to the people in the world. And, and one could argue that maybe it's that has helped contribute to uh, the state of the world today. You know, the, the isolationism, that's that's a big problem. You know, uh, people are coming in, in in numbers previously unheard of saying that they're lonely. You know, they don't feel connected with people. And uh, maybe a reason is uh, the church has been failing to uh, connect with people. Yeah, and, and perhaps it's because, you know, you said, you know, we might be afraid. And I wonder if it's not afraid of, the truth, but perhaps that's part of it, but maybe it's the fact of, well, those people sure do look different. And, uh, and I don't want, you know, if, if those people come to our church, it'll be just a little bit different and we can't have that. And, and, you know, we like to act like Jonah was such a terrible person, Mm -hmm. but how often do we act like Jonah? You know, we're like, well, why did Jonah run from God? You know, what made him think he could run from God? Well, let's remember, he thought that the Lord resided in the Holy of Holies. So he was getting as far away from that as possible, not realizing, okay, that was just kind of a physical place he dwelt in, you know, for for man's sake. But no, he's the creator of the world. You can't hide from him. But why did he run away and ignore God? We said that at the end of the book by saying, you know, I knew you would forgive them. I knew they would listen to you, and I knew you would forgive them, and I didn't want that. And I, th- I just want I just want you to kill them all. You know, we may not wish or at least vocalize, I want everyone to die who doesn't look like me or who doesn't act like me, who doesn't act like Christ. But mm-hmm. if we want to reach the lost, if we want to use opportunities around us to, to help others come to know him, we have to look like Jesus, which meant Jesus was doing what? Well, he was eating with sinners. In fact, he was known for that so much that that's why he was hated by so many. Because... He wasn't hanging out with the religious elite. He was hanging out with those who were despised by by everyone. Mm-hmm. And that's opportunities that we have to take hold of and maybe wake up to the fact that we've been called to treat one another better than ourselves, as, as Paul says. But we're told to love our neighbor as ourself. 
you know, and, and you know, who's my neighbor? Well, um, yes. The answer is yes. <laughs> Everyone. Yeah. Um, you know, thinking about it for me, just thinking about my past, where I come from, you know, this may come as a shock to you. I know, given, you know, my, my clear social status as an elite member of society, but I wasn't too popular in school, you know, uh, elementary school i was actually you know a bully um and so and and looking back on it yeah i was, I was pretty annoying um but uh same <laughs> <laughs> but you know for a long time that created a, a complex in me where it's like man i, I don't i don't want to go through that again you know i i don't want to uh you know have people not like me again and uh, to uh, abuse me again. So that, that caused me when, when I started looking around in, in middle school and high school, and I started seeing people make decisions that I was like, mm, I, I'm not, I, that's, that's not right. You shouldn't be doing that. I'm not comfortable with you doing that. I wouldn't, you know, take part in it, but I didn't think it was right. Mm-hmm. And um, it made me uncomfortable. And it made me very prone to, to judging people. You know, because because, you know, it, it may be in my mind. It was a thing of like, well, if I if I get out in front of the negativity uh, of me saying, hey, that's not right. If I get out in front of it and I'd be negative first, well, then they can't really affect me. Right. Because I've already told them that they, they don't really matter. You know, I've already treated them like they don't really matter. Right. And so I can be as distance as far away as possible. And I can just be, you know, safe in my little, you know, and, 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 I, and I had my little group of people who, who I said, you know, these, these people. They don't, they don't make those decisions either. You know, we're, you know, head and shoulders above the rest. You know, they may hate us. They may whatever. But, you know, at least we're doing what's right. Yeah. And, and I wonder if, if that's part of the problem. You know, when, as we're talking about waking up to the opportunities all around us, I wonder how often we kind of just say to ourselves, I don't have to call. I don't, and I'm not saying we should call out people and be like, what you're doing is wrong. But, but I wonder how often we don't show Jesus and as actively. We almost passively show Jesus and just say, maybe they'll notice that I'm a little bit different. Now, will they notice if you're not using the same language? Well, well yeah. yeah. But maybe finding the right opportunity, and see, that's what looking for opportunities to have mm-hmm. that conversation. And uh, I'm not saying, I'm not sharing this to, to toot my own horn, but... um. Uh, I learned that, um, and I implemented it in a way where eventually it was not successful in the way of, oh, there was a conversion that happened, but it was successful in the conversation didn't end poorly. You know, mm-hmm. um, for a while, I was big in, in Magic of the Gathering games, and when I say big, uh, not as big as some of these people are, but but I would go at least once a week, and uh, I had a couple of decks, I would go and play some some of the local at the local game shops, some of the little Thursday night you know tournaments and stuff. That you know it was just a good way for me to to be uh, I guess enjoy some games, but also can you know connect with some community people. But now you know, and uh, if some of these people who are watching, who I'm Facebook friends with, uh, you, you know I I love you guys, but but they like to use uh, a lot of language that I am not comfortable with. Now, when I first showed up, it was very apparent, and I knew what I was walking into. I wasn't walking in and being like, oh, this is not what I expected, and now I'm going to have to tell everybody how wrong they are. Well, I decided that I, I would not use any language, 
I would let them know who I was and what I stood for and that, you know, yes, I'm a minister. I didn't hide any of those facts. But I began to develop relationships. And it was, it was, a, it was quite some time. And then one of the workers, after we closed, he, he offered for me to stay behind and we could play after they closed up shop. And uh, it was pretty late. And he, he was using uh, uh, a good bit of, of language. And then I used that as an opportunity to say, hey, man, uh, I, that, that kind of bothers me. And, uh, and, uh, and I kind of explained why it bothered me. But in a loving way where I'm like, oh, listen, I'm not trying to be all up in your business Here's why I stand for that. You know, here's what, why it, it's an issue. And he went, oh, man, I, I didn't realize it was that big of a deal because I knew you didn't use any of it. But And then he had respect for me. And then I, and I did something I asked him. I said, if I came in that first day, I walked into this, you know, into the shop. And from day one, started telling you guys to, to stop that nonsense and to, to not use that language. Uh said, how would you have reacted? I'm just curious. And and he told me he would have told me to kind of back off and maybe get out. And uh, because of the relationship I had, I was able to have that maybe difficult conversation. And from then on, they really didn't use language around me. Even when there were others around the shop, some of them still did a little, but there were times when they would use it and then they would stop themselves and say, oh, sorry, Jonathan. Or they would say something, and I didn't hear them, like the whole sentence, but I heard there was something in there. And I'd ask them to repeat themselves because I didn't hear what they said. And I would notice they didn't repeat it with the cuss word in it. And uh, so, it, it, and uh, for those, if, you know, I doubt they're watching, but if you're watching, I really appreciated that. And, uh, but I, I learned a lesson from, I guess, really, and it may have been fear at the beginning of not telling them. But it ended up working out where, and I'm not saying you should never talk to them, but I waited and found an opportunity where it was also a one-on-one. -on -one. It wasn't me calling them out in front of everybody. It wasn't me doing it as in I'm better than you. It was me saying, hey, listen, and, and talking with some humility. And that because of that opportunity, you know, that influence is actually still there. You know, I haven't been back in quite some time and uh, just losing interests and, and having other hobbies. But if I go back in there, they know who I am. They know who my name, and uh, and I can still have some of those conversations with me, and they still respect where I'm coming from, and that's part of maybe I'm planting a seed. Someone else might come and water, and you know God's going to be giving the growth. And I think that's kind of what we have to be able to be willing to do is maybe have that uncomfortable conversation because it was yeah. uncomfortable. I, I mean, they had closed. It was just me and him, and I was like, I'm not so sure how this is going to go down, but I knew that if I was going to bring it up, that was the, the opportunity. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, I mean, that reminds me, I mean, uh, one of the passages that I looked at beforehand was First uh, Corinthians 9, yeah. you know, where, where it talks about, uh, you know, you know, Paul says uh, he became as a, as a servant to all the people. So that he might win them you know if they're a jew he became as a jew if they were greek he became as a greek you know if they were uh let's see uh if they were inside the law or outside the law if they were weak people you know he became as they are he, he related to them um yeah i've i've been in um my, my example i mean i haven't you know lived too long in you know outside of the bubble I mean, I'm still a freed, so that's something. 
But uh, <laughs> you know, uh, during uh, various breaks, I'll work in uh, in I'll, I'll work I'll work secular jobs. Um, and when I'm there, I always will meet people who you know are not Christians. Um, and you know, I've had uh, several coworkers. I've had two jobs. One was at a Publix where I was a uh, deli clerk. I was a meat slicer. I made sandwiches. Yep. I fried chicken tenders. Hey, hey, you know, hey, that's an important stuff. job. I, I go yeah. there frequently. Yeah, and, uh, and so uh, I, um, well, what I did, that there was, it, it was far more potential to meet people that were kind of more from my demographic, um, you know, middle class um, a lot of them were recent graduates. I mean, most of the guys I was working with were male and roughly my age, like college-aged men. Um, one guy was the same class in high school as I was, and, and he is one in particular. He was actually hostile to Christianity. Um, he would make snide remarks about Christians or the church. Um, and, 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 and here's the thing. I didn't like initially I didn't like talk bad about it, you know, like, like as soon as he said that, man, you know, we're, we're not all like that, you know, and, and just kind of go into it with him. But what I did is I just kind of showed him by my actions and, and I wasn't afraid to bring up, Hey, yeah, I'm a Christian. And a lot of those guys, you know, the, they were guys who liked to talk about politics and talk about philosophy and different things, things that I love to talk about. Um, and so we start talking, and I'd start relating my morals and my philosophy as a Christian. And they'd be like, no, man, that's, that's a good point, you know? And, and, you know, I started to gain this reputation as somebody who was pretty wise. You know what I was doing? I was quoting scriptures all day. <laughs> I was giving them things that, like, I learned. I was interpreting scripture back to them. You're like, you know, you got a point. You know, some of those guys, like, like that guy in particular who I was talking about, um, I haven't seen him since, but before I left, he was no longer hostile towards Christianity. Like I talked about Christianity and he would actually be like pretty positive about it, you know, just as yeah. a general rule, because I think he never really interacted with a Christian that actually took their faith seriously before. Yeah. And, and that's part of, uh, of, of, you know, trying to be able to, you know, take those opportunities, those opportunities to show mm -hmm. Christ. And, and yeah. you know, sometimes we say, well, look, you know, but you also didn't just act a certain way. You also were interactive with them. Because mm -hmm. right. too often I feel like, if, you know, we use the excuse, well, if they just observe how I act, that'll be enough. And it's, right. it's something. It's better than you acting just like the world. But the other half of it has to be, like you said, meeting them where they are, relating to them. And then finding ways to organically bring up things where and, you can show them Jesus with mm -hmm. conversation. Yeah. And to really bring out that point, let me tell you about my other job. Okay. Uh, my other job, uh, my, my uncle uh, had recently uh, started a new management position. At a, he, he, he works for a, a car wash company, Mr. Car Wash. They're the largest car wash company in America. Um, and... Uh, he had recently come in because uh, the store in Antioch, Tennessee, which if you're from Tennessee, you know anything about Nashville, you know about Antioch, and we'll leave it at that. Um, <laughs> so uh, he had recently become the manager of the, of the Antioch store. 
it was reporting very bad sales. Um, they, the, the previous manager, I mean, they basically had to fire, uh, he basically had to fire most everybody who worked there um, when he started because uh, two of them got in a fight, although he didn't fire one of them because one of them, it wasn't really his fault. The, the other guy in the fight had actually said something like really like racist to him. Oh, and wow. so he was very offended. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, it was like, and, and some of the guys that he had to fire were like dealing drugs to some of the customers that came by in the parking lot. Uh, see, yeah, it was, it was a very, very poorly run, you know, a car wash and I needed a job, you know, I needed to make some money. So I said, so he had like no workers. So I said, yeah, you said you're paying what? All right, sure. I'll come <laughs> down there and work for you. And he says, all right, cool. And so, uh, yeah, he hired a few more people, but I mean, now the people we're talking about there are, mostly um lower class people um and mostly people of uh, other races because the thing is at Publix I was working with I mean I'm not even going to say 90 90 percent I'm saying like a hundred percent white people like 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 people of my demographic um but at the car wash I was working my uncle was white and I had another white coworker. everybody else was uh a, a, a minority some were immigrants um, and so, uh, you know, it was a very different experience and, uh, these were people, they were, they were rough people, heavy drinkers. Um, you know, they used some rough language. They talked about some rough stuff and, you know, it was, it was difficult for me to relate to them really was. Um, but I, I eventually, I had one coworker there who was really, really open to talking about you know, uh, philosophy and things like that. And we started talking and I started like, you know, just t talking about religion and stuff. And he said, you know, you, I've only met two Christians in my life who I really respect what they believe because they were legitimate about it. And you're the second one. Um, and you know, some other coworkers started listening in and eventually, uh, the assistant manager who, uh, is very, very, very against, uh, he, he was very against Christianity because he lives a, a pretty hard life, mm -hmm. you know, um, and he's, he's not one. He doesn't want to feel like he's judged for doing the things he's doing. Um, whenever I started saying that a reason why I did something was because I was a Christian, he initially started saying, I getting uncomfortable, but you know, I kind of just, you know, kept talking, you know, I didn't let him, shut me down because I wasn't saying anything to be like uh, offensive to him or like, Hey man, you should become a Christian. I was just saying, this is how I feel something. And he kind of, kind of got that. Cause I think everybody who'd ever approached him with the gospel in his life mm -hmm. was saying, Hey, you need to get your life right. And yeah. so he was hostile to it at first. He, he, he put up that wall, but he's, he eventually was like, hold on. This is, this is a different experience. You know, he's not telling me I need to get my life right. He's just saying, this is how I do what I do. Yeah. You know, it, it kind of it, 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 it got his gears turning. I kind of watched it happen. And, you know, how am I relating to somebody who is, uh, I think he's 26. Um, he never went to college. He went to a military school, um, heavy drinker, lives with his girlfriend. Uh, you know, uh, probably, I mean, you know, I, I can make all kinds of assumptions. They're probably not wrong. Um, you know, very different, you know, life than, than I have. 
but you use uh, some of your talents to be able to to connect with them and and, right. and that's kind of the the important part because there's you know for for some of you who are listening maybe you're not as extroverted as that to have those conversations at a workplace or or in you know not you know i guess in public maybe you know and maybe you're more i guess privately individual kind of relational in the sense of one-on-one time and it's just learning about what the talents are and then utilizing those talents you know and and i think you know i can't help but think of jesus's parable of the talents when you know some were given all different amounts according to their i guess ability and we have you know each one you know multiplied what they were given they used the talents and they grew their talents. Then you had the one dude who didn't use them at all. And, and I think it's it's really important for us to then, you know, now that we were talking about money in this sense, but I think the, because the, talents were a form of money, but I think we could apply it to our gifts and basically of what God's given us to be good stewards of. And he's not just given us physical things to be good stewards of. He's given us abilities and talents and gifts to say, I want you to use this for the kingdom. And sometimes we're too afraid of what talents we've been given because they're not easy. It's not easy to to talk to someone like that. It's not easy to be able to step outside our comfort zone and be the only one standing up. And, you know, until that happens, until every single one of us can look for opportunities and say, Hey, I can use my gift or my talents to address this and then not just address it, but show Jesus and how I do this. Once we can do that, we'll start growing. You know, Paul says in Ephesians 4 that, you know, talking about how we're all different, how each part has a, how each person has a different job in the church, right? You know, you know, you might be an arm, I might be a hand, you know, or I might be a leg and, you know, someone there, you know, you might be the lungs, you might be what gives breath and you know to 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 uh, the body of christ you know we're all different none of us are the head obviously that that's that's jesus but each part has a job and he says in ephesians 4 16 when each part is working properly but it builds itself up right when each part working properly that's when the body grows that's when we have unity and too often we compare ourselves. We'll be like, well, my gifts are no good, so I can't do anything. Or maybe we're like what Mandela said. You know, we're only scared of letting our light shine. You know, I'm so scared of people looking at me differently. Right? No, don't, you know, let's, you know, when they start looking at us, let's redirect their vision to Jesus. You know, we shouldn't stay in the spotlight. And that's kind of where I think our perspective has been wonky. We think it's it supposed to be different. Yeah. Like, like, you know, we, we want to hide in plain sight, I feel like. You know, I feel like we really go to that well a lot of, you know, my example is going to be strong enough that somebody's going to ask me about that. Well, how mm-hmm. long have we been implementing that manner of evangelism? Yeah, Bruce, Bruce said that uh, kind of on the same lines about great communication by allowing God's word to show others how it helps you, right? Mm-hmm. Again, not you know we are called to be different. Here's why I'm different. Because people are going to notice you're different. And once they do, then you can start saying, hey, here's why I'm different. 
Right? He, right. Here's why I'm doing these things I'm doing. And he said, it is written is always better than, well, I think. And, and, and that's exactly right. Here's what God says. And, and maybe, you know, the well, I think, and, you know, we, we say that because we're trying to be humble. But I think we can say, hey, listen, the way I'm reading scripture, this is how I'm interpreting this. And this is why I'm mm-hmm. doing it this way. Right. Because I truly believe that scripture is telling me to do it this way. And right. then when people who might not be religious at all might want to have a conversation, you can say, hey, let's study and see what the Bible says. And, yeah, and that's you, really you important. Gotta, you got to – you got to strike that balance because I think the thing is uh, there's two extremes you can go to. Um, you, you can go too far on both sides. One of them is you're just friends with everybody. You know, you never bring anything up. You know, you just kind of let your light shine and you, you, you don't, nobody asks questions. Nobody thinks, you know, Hey, is that person a, a Christian? Because you don't ever mention it. Um, or, you could be the kind of person that just comes in there immediately, like you were talking about, and says, hey, that's not right, and I've got seven scriptures. Why? Because, well, you missed something on both sides. Over here, where you're just trying to be friends with everybody, you've got the relationship good. You, you've got that perfect, but you're missing the truth. Mm-hmm. And over here, you've got the truth. You're, 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 you're living 100% in accordance you're, you're, you're telling them exactly what the Bible says, but you've lost the relationship. Yeah. You know, you failed to build that. Absolutely. And, and, you know, it's the, I am, you know, we're called to be lights of the world. Why? So that when others see our good works, they will give glory to God, the father. So I'm called to be a light. So then when mm-hmm. they, when I have that relationship and I'm being a light, I can say, Hey, look to Jesus. That's right. why I'm doing it. What we're not also called. So if we're not doing pointing, if we're just being a light without directing our light to Jesus, there's a problem. The other problem, yeah. like you said, and my analogy thinks of it this way. When I come in with a big spotlight and shine it in someone's face and be like, can you see now? You know, <laughs> you can see the road now, right? And they're like, I can't see anything. You know, yeah. we're not pointing them to the road now. We, we're, we're the strongest light ever, but we're yeah. doing them no good because the spotlight, again, isn't pointed down the road or isn't pointed to Jesus. And then what else happens to their eyes? Well, They've got that, big old purple splotches on and, their and, vision. And now they're like, I don't want to be around anyone with the spotlight ever again. It's hard to see anything, yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, you've got your vision concealed because you got big old purple splotches blocking everything. Yeah. Um, uh, Josh is saying he's interpreted the talents as a level of knowledge of God. All come to the table of different knowledge about God, but our obligation, no matter how much or how little, is to invest that knowledge of it, um, sorry, um, or it was sorry, <laughs> invest that knowledge, or it will be taken away. And I think that's that's really that's a really good point. You know, if I'm not investing that back into people and saying, here's why I do what I do, and first of all, if we can't tell people here's why I'm doing what I'm doing, then then we need to really ask ourselves, is our faith our own? And once our faith is our own, it becomes so much easier to say, hey everybody, here's the good news. Here's how Jesus changed my life. And if we can do that and be genuine with that, most people will respect that. Is everyone going to? Well, of course not. But let's look for opportunities because they're all around us. People are wanting to know. People are mm-hmm. asking questions. People are, are, are wanting something different. And 
like someone said recently, you know, you may be the only Jesus someone gets to see mm-hmm. and uh, today. Yeah. And your friend, you might be the only Jesus your friend ever sees. Yeah. And let's not be afraid of being vulnerable and, sh- and sharing the most important thing in our lives. And I know we're about out of time, so Nathan, if you have any last closing thoughts, let's hear yeah. them. Uh, I was just thinking, how, how did Jesus go about this? Uh, I'm, I'm thinking of John 4 right now. Yep. You know, the woman at the well. Uh, you know, w- what would the Pharisees have done if, if they knew that, you know, this woman has been with, how many, was it seven husbands? Uh, or maybe it was, six. It was, it was five, and she and she was with one that was not her husband. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I'm bad with numbers, but that's the correct. Yeah. Um. But um, you know what? What would the Pharisees have done? They wouldn't have even talked to her. I mean, plus she's a Samaritan. But even besides that, uh, you know, they wouldn't have even talked to her. I mean, they they tried to have a woman caught in adultery stone. They he didn't saw want... an opportunity. And yeah. He said, "I can do something about that." It, it, and even when he decided, you know, I'm going to talk to him, to her, you know, did he go in there with, hey, uh, you shouldn't be with, you know, uh, this person and you should, you know, you shouldn't have had five husbands. No, he sat with her and he started talking. And, and, and she, she was kind of thrown off, right? Right. She was like, why are you talking to me? You know, you're a Jew. I'm one, a woman by myself. And two, I'm a Samaritan. And to put it in a, and I'll let you keep talking in a second, but and to put it into even more uh, another perspective, she was coming from the city. Who was going into the city? His disciples were going into the city. Mm-hmm. These disciples were known for never understanding the point. They were also Jews who hated Samaritans. They yeah. were Jews who hated Gentiles at this point, right? I mean, yeah. Peter was Peter took all of that his whole life. I wonder how they if they if they cross paths. And if they interacted and how they looked at her mm-hmm. and then what mindset she was coming to the well of just passing 12 Jewish men going yeah. into Samaria. Yeah. What? Because there's no way they were like, oh, hey, what's up? As they're walking by, they probably did everything in their power to what? As the Samaritans, like the, the good Samaritan story, pass by on the other side. So she mm-hmm. probably was going to be like, oh, oh, there's the 13th guy. Oh no, here we go again. You know, yeah. and Jesus used his opportunity, like you were about to share with us, perfectly. Yeah. And and uh another thing, you know, that's that's important to point out, he didn't start with, you know <laughs> he didn't like woof, run in there and like, okay, let's get to talking about about God. Well he did it say, Hey, give me a drink. Yeah. He built the relationship. He mm-hmm. He walked past, you know, the social barrier that was there. Yep. And he said, give me a drink. And then she's receptive. They, they've built a relationship. They don't know each other well, but there's already a relationship going there. Yep. And then he started. She was hesitant at first, too. Right, right, right. And then he calmed her down by saying, hey, listen, you know, it's okay. And then that barrier, almost like peeling an onion back. He was right. patient. Right. Yeah. He gradually worked on this person to the point to where she was willing to have that conversation. And, you know, what did she do immediately? She said, this is this is the Messiah. You know, her life was changed. Completely changed. She told everybody she knew, even people she didn't know. He told me things that 
he couldn't know that's that's the messiah you know and she became a you know this this random woman who's had five husbands and you know she's with some dude now who isn't her husband has just become the most powerful minister i mean the not, not the most effective minister for jesus in the city because all because jesus built that relationship with her definitely and also didn't sacrifice the truth yep definitely definitely well hey guys thank you for joining us as always uh we're glad you're here uh nathan enjoy the discussion talking about waking up and taking hold of all the opportunities around us which means we have to be looking for them so i encourage you guys look for opportunities once you find them don't let them pass up take hold of all of them so we can glorify god and help others to come to know him as always we are here every thursday eight o'clock eastern seven o'clock central live from holly hill to christ i'm your host jonathan germany and this and these videos are brought to you by holly hill to christ and adventures in ministry ministry See you guys next time oh i did it again <laughs> the ministry league oh man i gotta put in money in the jar it happened i blame zach and uh but guys thank you for being here ministry league check us out i'm in trouble sorry paul we'll see you guys